everyone and welcome to this month's ELT CPD podcast. This is the first in our second mini-series on going from an ELT teacher to an ELT writer. And in this episode, we'll be discussing how to turn your teacher-made materials into paid resources for other teachers to download and use. Here to tell us more is Harry Waters. Hi Harry, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Having me. Um, so maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay then, well, as you said, my name's Harry. I am currently a teacher, a teacher trainer, a materials writer, and yeah, I am also a trainer for Pearson and Life classes. Okay. Um, I am working on a sustainability project as well, which is basically my passion. It, it's where ELT has led me mm-hmm. um, and yeah that's what my my big thing I'm working on at the moment. Perfect so how long have you been in ELT for and as a teacher? Uh, I started teaching in 2007 mm-hmm. and throughout that time no matter what my job was whether it was when I was an ELT consultant or when I've been a teacher trainer something there's always been constant throughout is, is I've always been a teacher um, yeah not necessarily first and foremost but I've always been a teacher throughout that time it's something that I don't know once I started is an addictive thing so yeah I've, I've not really strayed away from teaching for any more than a six-week summer holiday to be honest I think it's important isn't it when you're teacher training and writing materials just to to still have your foot in the door of teaching so you don't sort of lose sight of what you're actually creating the materials for essentially especially with your renewable English as well to test your materials and things like that so just a little bit about renewable English do you create teacher resources student resources it's, it's both really um so renewable English the, the whole concept it's um, a whole course whereby there is uh, on a Thursday I released the lesson on YouTube but running up to that throughout the week we have various things on other social media sites so uh, we have interviews with experts um, we have some unfun facts about uh, sustainability but then there's also the like top tips as well but there's always a worksheet for the student there's worksheets for the teachers the video materials, of course, for each and every part of it are available. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of both, really. If you want to study as a student, then that's great. You can just go to the online lesson on a, on a Thursday and you can watch the lesson and, and go along with it. Um, but if you're a teacher, you can extract different materials. Um, and what we're really aiming for is, as I've mentioned a few times, to raise climate change awareness, but with positivity. Something I've always found, something... I absolutely love is seeing people smile now um, whether it's laughing whether it's pride whether it's you know anything gratitude seeing people smile and what I'm trying to do with Renewable English what we're trying to do with Renewable English is is bring positive messages to people so so they can see the good things that other people are doing and the good things they can do and the small steps people can take towards Um, making the planet more sustainable it's not a you know if you eat meat you're bad Um, if you drive your car on a rainy day you're an awful person it's you know ideas of you know maybe it's a good idea to start taking your bike out a couple of times a week instead of taking the car 
Nice. And the, I know you said you do the YouTube videos, but are the teacher resources that you put on your website, are they free for anyone to access? Completely free. Um, okay. So they're all, they're all on the website. They're all, there's a, a, a separate page for them on, on the website, renewableenglish.com. Uh, they can go on there and yeah, they're completely free. Great. But don't print them. Maybe one day they'll be interactive. And so you mentioned that you do teacher training, consulting, and a bit of materials writing as well. So what made you first think about getting into other ELT fields other than teaching? I think it was when I came to Spain. Now, when I got here, I, I spent a year in, in Cordoba and I was still in that mode of I'm a TEFL teacher, I'm traveling the world, you know, I taught in all these different places and I kind of came here with the mindset that so at the time I wanted to come back and then move on again. But while I was here, I actually um, had to go to hospital. I got, got really sick. It was at that moment when, you know, I was here, I was on, I had medication and so on and so forth. So I had to stay in Spain. So I moved from where I was living to Seville and I got here, I met my wife and suddenly it all clicked that, you know, I love teaching, but what I, I I was crazy about ELT. I was yeah. absolutely crazy for it. I loved it. And so when I started my job here in Seville, it was kind of, it was almost like a rebirth for me. It was, I'd gone from being a teacher who just, you know, traveled around yeah. to it becoming my vocation. And mm-hmm. I was like, I really love this. And I've had some opportunities um, to, to help with teacher training and stuff like that. And, and yeah, because I was one of the more experienced teachers, as it were, at the time, mm. so I was giving a lot of training sessions and stuff like that. And in the second year, the director decided she wasn't a big fan of textbooks. Okay. So over the summer that my daughter was born, actually, I, I spent the entire summer creating syllabi. It was that moment where I was helping people with, like their classroom management, their their ideas for the classroom as well and interactive tasks within the classroom and and games. But then I saw this other side of it and it was the creation of the material. So, and they kind of married very well into each other. Yeah. So I remember the the first talk I ever did was exam speaking without the exams. And it was just a bunch of ideas and materials and activities around speaking exams but like a a more interesting way to integrate into your classroom rather than through just endless speaking exam practice ideas so did you do that off your own back or did you do it for a company or your school i was doing that for the academy okay okay. creating all of this for the academy yeah and it that became basically a huge part of my job my teaching hours were reduced dramatically so Mm -hmm. i could create all of this stuff so in effect that was like the first time I was paid for my materials because yeah. a lot of the time, you know, I was in the classroom creating endless materials, endless materials, and they were, you know, they were going either nowhere yeah. or at the time being printed off and put in a bag yeah. and then going into a mm-hmm. drawer. And then suddenly I, I got this, you know, my time was being paid for obviously for my materials. So that push that I got from the first uh, academy I worked for here in Seville was really good. That, that place is really special in my heart for that and it, it pushed me that way for to get into materials writing and really open my eyes to you know getting my ideas yeah, out there and definitely. that's where I started my first ever blog as well but do you think that there's 
any other ideas or any other steps that someone could take, a teacher, to get into materials writing, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think there are quite a lot of ways, to be honest, to yeah. get into materials writing. Um, it's really nice if you have that kind of, that lucky break or that, that person who gives you that push, yeah. um, as I say with my boss. But often you have to go out there yourself. Definitely. And, you know, having a look um, at the Facebook groups firstly to see who needs what and where and looking for advice. Something I've found, I think more so in the ELT community than any other, is people are so willing to share advice. Yeah. It's such a giving and sharing thing. So going on to, to groups and, and asking people, you know, what way I should go and, and asking for that advice is a first step yeah an obvious first step but but getting your materials and getting them out there and getting them seen for me is one of the, the really important things as well so whether you're being paid for them at first or not getting them on popular websites and, and stuff like that so you know there are free ones and there are there are paid ones as well so you can you can go to stuff like esl printables and you can put mm-hmm. your your things out there and you can see how many people download it because you know if you've written some good materials you'll see instantly like i remember one i made back in 2014 i think about about phrasal verbs and i, I put it out there and it was a phrasal verbs battleships game and just within days there were hundreds of downloads so yeah. firstly it kind of gives you that that positive boost to see that, okay this is good yeah definitely you, know, you don't want that imposter syndrome of is it good enough and it gives you that that confidence boost but then you can also look for for other sites like Teachers Pay Teachers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where you can put your materials up there. And to, to be a, a materials writer, it doesn't have to be a big publisher. Yeah. You know, you don't have to write that book. There are so many academies that need um, materials made for them. There are so many smaller places that it's a great way to start. If you've got like a whole course or um, something like that, and you, you don't have the, the, the spare time or the, the resources to be able to, to do it like myself and release them free on Renewable English, then if you've got a full course, it's really good to, to look at like um, Udemy and Skillshare and, yeah. and places like that. I think they're some excellent ways to share your courses and again, get them out there. And they, have, they already have like a, a database of students. And I think uh, Thinkific and Teachable as well are a couple more. So... There's some really good first steps to ask the people around you and see how your materials are being received. Because often you can look at a thing and think, this is rubbish. Or you can look at it and think, this is brilliant because you've spent ages on it, making it look really pretty, but actually the content isn't fantastic. Yeah. And it's, you know, so get it out there, get people to see it. I think that's really important just because imposter syndrome is definitely real within the LT, especially when you start creating your materials, because you think, I know this works well because it fits my teacher style or it fits this particular class or these types of students, for example. But until another teacher uses it, you're just not sure whether actually it works, whether your teacher's notes might make sense. Um, so yeah, using some of those websites, I think it's a really good idea. Like ESL printables, I, I, I wasn't aware that you could see how many downloads but like you said, if you put your lesson on there and you've got such good feedback from it, it's definitely a confidence boost to then chase um, other opportunities. When you see that, it's, it's not just a confidence boost for that, but it's also that I know I've helped that many people today. Yeah, definitely. And I know there's 
for me as a teacher and, and as, as a trainer, there's a feeling for me than when like you help another teacher or you help a student and suddenly they like they get something, there's something that's really helped them. And for me, it gives me again that, that kind of boost yeah. inside, that morale boost. Definitely, absolutely. And I think even if it starts small, just with your own network of people, maybe your colleagues in your school, then, I mean, that's your start and then they'll pass it on to someone else and someone else and that's how things grow. We can't expect it to sort of take off overnight, so... Um, one way which I know that some people have got into publishing is through sort of lesson uh, competitions. So are there any teachers or writing competitions that you know about that might help a teacher get out there? Yeah, well, there, there's a couple I can, I can think of off the, off the top of my head. Um, and that's, there's one for One Stop English and, yeah. uh, called Lesson Share, where you can send in your lesson and um, a, a, a whole bunch of um, experienced writers actually started with that. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, it comes under the banner of Macmillan. Um, okay. And yeah, you, you send in your lesson and, and, and if, it, if it wins, then they, they basically give you your, your lesson and it's kind of published and it, and it looks great. Mm-hmm. And then there's also Macmillan and International House are running another one at the moment. I think the 31st of March is the closing date for the competition. It's the, the Simon Greenall Award. And it's if you've got a project or an idea and it's just to support a new course or something that's connecting people. Um, yeah. That's one of the ways I'm going. And you, you get some expert mentoring and stuff like that because one thing I've found in the last six weeks has been a very like steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was, um, I've been, you know, materials writing like, odds and sods and, and bits and pieces for a really, really, really long time. Yeah. But it's only been since sort of September that I've, I've started to focus solely on that and my, my lessons are more based around my materials writing than the other way around. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been a really steep learning curve to then start with, you know, Renewable English out of that. It's been, again, a website and YouTube videos and stuff. It's been a really steep learning curve. So the Simon Greenall Award... I think will really help people because there are mentors who can help along the way. Nice. I think we'll get a list of the resources together that you've mentioned. ESL Printables, Simon Greenall Award, Lesson Share for One Stop English. And then we'll put those along with the podcast as well so that people can access those. Are there any things maybe when you started out or anything that you can think of like difficulty wise or challenges that you think teachers might face when they decide to get into writing materials? Yes. I think the one that everybody has with everything is we're time poor. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody has enough time. Um, and if you're a full-time teacher supporting your yourself off your, your teaching wage and you're trying to get into something else, then having enough time is never easy. And yeah. then just gets on top of you and yeah. doing anything extra. Because at first, you're, you're not going to make enough money to yeah. support yourself. Mm-hmm. Like when you're starting out... Creating materials takes ages. Um, yeah. You forget how long it takes. So really organizing your time is really important. Another one is contacts. If you've got no contacts, if you don't know anybody, then mm-hmm. you don't know who to send things to. So um, when you're starting out, you need to ask. You need to look around. You need to find out where to, to send your materials because there are so many places as yeah. i said before there are there's so much online content there are apps there there are websites there are different courses there are online publishers there's so many places 
Um, finding those contacts is, is really important. What do you think that you've learned from your first project to now? I'm going to take my, my first kind of thing, as I said before, with the, with the academy, like writing all those materials. What I've learned from them to now is we don't have long enough in the day, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much uh, from there. But um, I'm going to look at it on a kind of more more recent scale. So I remember the first bit of work I got that wasn't for my academy or something like that, that was like for for a publisher. So I did a, a tape script about four years ago. Yeah. Um, but from then, I've learned a lot more about how to organise my time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's absolutely vital. But then the really big kick for me, last year when I started working as an EOT consultant at Pearson. And as a teacher, I always used to think, you know, textbooks, they're never perfect. Mm-hmm. They're so expensive and, you know, all of these different things. Uh, and I, I worked for Pearson and I saw, like, the amount of work that goes into making these things. You know, you put the different teams and, and all of the, the marketing, the amount that goes into it, the amount of research, the amount of like, work that goes into a book, it gave me a real appreciation for how much goes into a book, for how yeah. much goes into these materials. I mean, it's, it's helped me a lot, like doing the renewable English as well, because you have the, the different PowerPoint aspects and stuff like that. So I've learned so much about that. But I've also learned about how to present it and how to, to get my ideas to publishers, to get my ideas to um, people who might want to publish these things. Yeah. Okay, so, and we've got a few questions, actually we had quite a lot of questions in from listeners from the post that we put out. As a very experienced teacher, it's been suggested many times that I work on my own books. I create a lot of materials for personal use, so my question is, where do I go from here? Okay, so I think like what we mentioned earlier, a bit about like when you're starting off, get yourself a blog for straight away, get yourself a blog, get yourself on LinkedIn and get your blog out there on LinkedIn, get your blog out there on Insta, get your blog out there, on, get it out there everywhere. Like, yeah. Get your materials out there. If you've been doing it for years and years and years, you've got enough materials to be able to post a few things a week. Like They should be ready. So you can, you can get your content out there and start, start using it, start getting it seen by people. And that way, while you're doing that, you will increase your number of contacts. Um, join, as I said, join groups, like the EOT publishing professionals, join these groups, have a look at these places, follow people, especially LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's so much wonderful ELT content on LinkedIn. So getting your ideas out there onto LinkedIn is, is a great idea. And, and as I say, if you've got all of those materials, looking at Demi and Skillshare, and getting the, if you have enough course content out there, then then get it ready. Or yeah. maybe you are going to self-publish, maybe you're not. But my my idea for the like the first step is just try and organise yourself and get it all in one place. Definitely. And then fly. You mentioned writing blogs and joining groups. Do you think that if you were to post your blog into an ELT professionals group, for example, that would be taken well? I think it really depends. Um, don't flood it, basically. Um, yeah. If it's something useful um, that's going to help people, then yeah. But don't overly flood. Don't just post pointless posts. So yeah. 
Um, with my blog that I, I try and keep up with, I post mostly on, on renewable English. Mm -hmm. um, but then if I'm writing a blog for Pearson or it's a focused blog, like uh, I wrote one, I wrote a couple about how to hybrid that went with the webinar that I did. Those kind of things that are really helpful in, in the current climate, then, then, then go for it. But yeah, maybe be selective with what you post. Yeah. Um, don't just post for mindless self-promotion. Look at the group you're posting in as well. Um, yeah. Different groups have very different tones. Um, so another listener question is, if a teacher wants to publish their own materials, kind of related to what you were just saying, how can they best target their materials to different markets or niches? It's something that when you're going into materials writing, you, you have some decisions to make mm -hmm. like, when you do it. Now, there are really, really successful material writers out there because a lot of teachers, particularly academy teachers, teach across lots of different levels, across lots of different ages, and they make materials for all of those classes. But it, it might be a good idea to focus on what you're best at. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you find your teenage materials are best, then, you know, look for, you know, the, that sort of niche. I, at, at the moment, most of my um, materials focus is going down the sustainability route. It, it's my main focus at the moment. So, but I do also do you know, a lot of stuff with, you know, hybrid teaching and online teaching and, and, and sessions and ideas on that. And so, again, it's it's that thing of knowing your audience and knowing who you want to send your things to, but more importantly, knowing yourself. Definitely. Um, as a materials writer, you, you know, when you start out, you're desperate for any work. So you think, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to apply for this young learners thing and I'm going to apply for this. So, so I'll apply for this primary teacher's guide. But I've taught teenagers, so I'll try and do this uh, secondary guide. Mm -hmm. and, and so you're applying for everything. And sometimes, you know, you can find that you maybe spread yourself too thin. So it, it can be a good idea to maybe give yourself a, a bit of a niche or a bit of a focus on not only what you're best at, but what you love the most. Definitely. Because if it's what you want to be doing, you've got to love it. Yeah, finding that niche is a really important part of it, I think. Yeah, I totally agree that having a niche in materials writing is really important. Maybe not when you first start out, like you said. Um, maybe you don't know what you enjoy writing until you've tried everything. So, yeah. Because it isn't always, like I've found, it's not always what you enjoy teaching is necessarily what you enjoy writing. Yeah. But... Again, quite a tricky one is, which materials do you think are currently most in demand? I think that's, you know, anything to do with online at the moment. Um, I saw a, a brilliant, brilliant video from John Hughes the other day about your online materials and how you should prepare your online materials. And like, should you do it vertical or should you do it horizontal? And it's an amazing video um, that I think everyone should look at. It's those kind of things, I think, at the moment, your online materials, your things that are suited to being able to share with a screen at the moment are the most in demand, I think, understandably. I think they have been for quite a while as well because the world has been going more digital even since before all of this. You know, things have been migrating onto there, like Pearson have the portal and there's all, all of that kind of thing where you have your the digital books and online interactive sharing things. Yeah. But everybody is using that, you know, every... Yeah. 
every publisher, every app needs digital materials. Definitely. I think maybe converting print to digital for maybe uh, popular course books that haven't yet um, been put online, maybe creating apps as well, like you said, and even sort of the YouTube things that you're doing at the moment, uh, presenters of videos and people to write the scripts behind the scenes as well. And um, John Hughes is actually the next speaker on our podcast. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Harry. And thanks um, for all of your points that you've mentioned. And as I said, I think we should get a list of the resources together of the useful sites and uh, webinars and things that you mentioned. And um, yeah, people can do some more research into that. No, thank you. Uh, it's, it's a real pleasure. I've really loved the other mini series. It was fantastic. Thank um, I you. got a lot out of it myself. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure to be here. So thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. In the next episode in our mini series on going from ELT teaching to a paid materials writer, we'll be discussing how to get noticed by publishers, get your first commission, and transitioning from a full time teacher to a materials writer. We'll be chatting to John Hughes, who's written over 50 published titles for publishers including National Geographic, Oxford University Press and Pavilion ELT. If you haven't already, do follow us on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn at ELTCPD to hear about upcoming podcasts, job spots and blog posts. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye for now.